I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my Big Bag of Onions. is my enthusiasms, that I've always been uh, a very curious and enthusiastic person, again it says, from when I was a teenager, and that it really wasn't up to me to try and identify exactly what that meant. I just had to accept that I was a person that had a very short attention span, would move from one thing to another quite rapidly uh, when I got bored with the other, um, and uh, I became comfortable with that and didn't try and identify myself or try and ask myself who I was. The less questioning I did about myself uh, as to who I was, the more comfortable I felt. So now I have absolutely no knowledge of who I am, but I'm extremely happy. Dress my friends up just for show See them as they really are Put the people in my brain Two new pants to have a go I'd like to be a gallery Put you all inside my show Andy Warhol looks a scream Hang him on my wall And he won't Silver scream Can't tell them apart at all And he walking And he tired And he take a little snooze Tie him up when he passed to sleep Send him on a pleasant cruise When you wake up on the sea Be sure to think of me and you You think about painting, you think about blue What a jolly boring thing to do Andy Warhol looks a scream Hang him on my wall Silver screen, can't tell them apart at all 
I came here, you know, uh, pretending to be a musician. I was a folk singer at that time, and that was just a hobby. I hadn't begun to write yet. Uh, it took another tragedy. <laughs> it's like, you know, I had to be kind of made ill to get me to stay at home. Um, my destiny pattern, I've got very bad luck in a way. One planet, you know, puts me in the position it's called stuck at home, right? So what's going to make me stay at home when I'm basically kind of, you know, a fun-loving, gregarious type, you know? Well, only if they make me sick. It's kind of like Hawking's wouldn't use his brain. They gave him Lou Gehrig's and he's, he kills everybody in three years except him. They took away all distraction, divinity, whatever, the forces that be to get him to fill his, make himself useful, use what he's supposed to use. Well, polio took away my athletic ability, which took away a certain amount of my popularity. Then I was last chosen on teams and stuff, so I became kind of a... Yeah, it, it set me back on the playground. You were the observer then instead of the... Right. So that helped to make the transformation, I think, to, to an inner life and to an artistic life. Bill's big bag of onions. <laughs> When 
I was a, a teenager, I had it in, in my mind that I would be a creator of musicals for the West End, for Broadway, whatever. I didn't see much further than that. As a writer, and I really had the idea in my head that people would do my songs. And I was not a natural performer. I didn't feel at ease on stage, ever. And I had created this one character, Ziggy Stardust, that it seemed that I would be the one that would play him because nobody else was doing my songs and the chances of my actually getting a musical mounted were very slim. And so I became Ziggy Stardust for that period. And things sort of led, I liked, I liked the idea and I, I felt really comfortable going on stage as somebody else. And it seemed a, a rational decision to keep on doing that. And so I got quite besotted with the idea of just creating character after character. And I think probably there must have been a point in the late 70s, well, I know there was, where I felt that the characters were in fact getting in the way of myself as a writer. And I endeavoured to kind of kill them off and, and start writing for me uh, as, as just a, a singer-songwriter. Because if you stay with us, you're going to be pretty cookie too. These are the golden onions. People stare at the makeup on his face. Laughed at his long black hair, his animal grace. The boy in the bright blue jeans jumped up on the stage.
Smell my onions. What are these chords? These are not guitar chords and these are not piano chords. What are these chords? You know, and then he said in the next breath, well, they, they taught us at Berklee School of Music never to stay on a sus chord too long and never to go from a sus chord to a sus chord. Well, a sus chord to me is a chord of inquiry. It's a it's an unresolved chord with a question mark in it. My life was full of, well, all of our lives, the bomb was hanging over it. There's lack of resolution, you know, the Cold War. You know, my daughter then was missing. There's another question mark. My life was full of question marks and full of surprises. Sudden illnesses, you just go off a cliff. So my music, too, was like my life. It, it, it didn't want to stay in one key. It didn't want to stay in one modality. You know, and so it came out kind of logical, but eccentric if you analyze it, you know. but it, Players would come in and they wouldn't even notice it was eccentric till they went to write out the lead sheet, and then the chords are coming out like <laughs> diminished, augmented, you know, inverted, but you know, like, and, and they go, oh, this is kind of deceptive. So, yeah, it developed in unique and original ways. You know, the chords come from not so much schooling of other people's muses, but but directly they make the emotional depiction that I want for the emotional depiction that I want in the work. You know, that they work theatrically as partners.
I wanted to be a musician because it seemed, um, it seemed rebellious, it seemed subversive. It felt like uh, one could affect change um, to a form. It, uh, it was very hard to hear music when I was younger, you know. Um, when, I, when I was really young, you had to tune into AFN radio to hear the American records. Uh, there, there was no MTV, and there was no, it wasn't sort of wall-to-wall -wall blanket music. And so therefore it had a kind of a, a, a call to arms kind of feeling to it. Is that this is the thing that will change things. This is uh, a dead dodgy occupation to have. It still oh, produced signs of horror from people who said, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in rock and roll. It's, my goodness. Now it's a career opportunity. And the internet is now, uh, carries the flag of, of being subversive and possibly rebellious and chaotic, nihilistic and...
You're listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions. It was a kind of an aesthetic shift because I expressed myself in different forms and the, the work was very... Leonard Cohen had a friend who was a sculptor and we were in New York in Washington Square and I said, I don't like my drawings. They were very Aubrey Beardsley-ish, which was kind of like what young art students did at that time. You know, we used to draw together a bunch of girls in Philadelphia and we'd draw in that style all on the same paper. So we developed this kind of homogenous style. And it was very fanciful and fairy tale-ish because we're coming out of Walt Disney, you know, as, <laughs> you know, we were raised on the stuff. And uh, I suddenly I just thought it was naive and, you know, so Mort, Leonard's friend, said, what don't you like about it? I said, it's, well, it's too, too naive. And, and so he said, draw me and don't look at the paper. And that created, you know, a very bold, minimal line with a lot of things left out. So in the drawing, it took a shift. And then in the writing, the adjectives fell away. And in the music, it also became more block chord and less classical. You know, all of the little grace notes in the, in the first album, which is almost like German leader, you know, more than pop music or folk music, very semi-classical. And it started getting more, lost a lot of classicism and became, it was kind of nasal and I don't really like that vocal period, the, the second and the third album, for that reason. And then Blue, I kind of get that all assimilates into a, a kind of a pop rock and roll voice out of, you know, vibrato and semi-classical singing. And the streets are full of strangers, all the news are This is the reoccurring dream, born in the dreary gap between what we have now. And what we wish we could have. More fulfilling and less frustrating. Out of the envy in our eyes. Glamorous picture people rise. Gleaming us down from screens and pages.
Personal level, you don't do drugs anymore. No, absolutely not. And you don't drink. I don't drink either. No. Not even a glass of wine or no, anything. No, it would kill me. If I what started do you mean again. it would kill you? I'm an alcoholic, so it was. Uh, it would be a kiss of death for me to start drinking again. Um, my relationships with my friends, my family, everybody around me are so good and have been for so many years now. I wouldn't do anything to destroy that again. It's very hard to have relationships when you're doing drugs and, uh, and drinking. I, for me personally, um, and uh, you become closed off, unreceptive, insensitive, all the dreadful things that you've heard every other pop singer ever say. And uh, I was very lucky that I found my way out of that. Um, it's, it's been good for me. I've reassessed my life any number of times. Not the lonely sky 
that have turned All the errors left unlearned Oh But I'm the luckiest guy Not the loneliest guy in the world Not me We've got to get ourselves back to the garden. This urgency that I felt that we as a stupid species were destroying our planet, you know, and that's what Johnny picked up on, you know, you know that I had the weight of the world on my shoulders, that, that I was alarmed, you know, at the electricity we were using, for instance, and certain things. Buried, built a house and buried my electrical lines and didn't even use it for a long time. Um, the things, they seemed eccentric at the time, but really they were quite progressive when you look at it now there were actual revelations and you know you do kind of want to lead but how you don't really you don't really want people sitting at your knee <laughs> you know don't want disciples but you've got to get out some of this in some way so I used the songwriting as a vehicle for passing on things that I learned which are very simple like I just read something my ex-husband wrote one of the things he got was nothing lasts for long well that struck him as profound and I'm sure it did me when I wrote it because I repeat it doesn't strike me as seems kind of nothing now but those little things when you when they when you come on them the first time they can change your course in a way they can give you acceptance and certain understanding and then then they lose their power but but they go off at a certain time, you know? Yeah. And they're all so, so simple, you know?
something cohesive about the youth revolution in music. Oh, but the, absolutely. And because I think that we, uh, at the time, up until at least the mid-70s, really felt that we were still living under the, uh, 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 oh, with, in the guise of a, a single and absolute uh, created society where there were known truths and known lies and there was no kind of duplicity or pluralism about the things that we believed in. That started to break down rapidly in the 70s, and the idea of a, uh, a duality in the way that we live, in, in there are always two, three, four, five sides to every question, that the singularity disappeared. And uh, that, I believe, has produced such a medium as the internet, which absolutely establishes and shows us that we are living in total fragmentation.
fantastic boy She turned to erosion And we never get old Remember it's true Dignity is valuable But our lives are valuable too Somebody's depression And I don't want to live with somebody's depression We'll get by I suppose It's a very modern world But nobody's perfect It's a moving world But that's no reason Shoot some of those missiles Think of us as fatherless scum It won't be forgotten Goods will never say that simple I mean um, everything was just kind of developing along that way and then I I ran away from show business and I traveled around in Europe and all of those travel songs the travel was rich you know when you're alone in your hotel room to meditate on it and, you know so I ended up with that collection of songs but when I played it for the for the men the singer-songwriter community they were horrified I mean they, they just you know they, they were horrified by it you know um, why because it was unprecedentedly intimate it made the men very uncomfortable but you know, later their work also went a little deeper you know Niels did uh, Chris Christopherson's did the, the ones that you know I don't remember Niels reaction being so Chris was like kind of horrified by it. Johnny Cash was kind of horrified by it. You know, uh, yeah, and it didn't sell well at first. You know, it was over time that people came to it. Yeah. So it was kind of, you know, like a, like a rubbernecking a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, 
you know, and I ran away after that, you know, too. But it's all I had to work with. I mean, you know, I thought the place that I was at. Here's more onions. to decide You know I go back there tomorrow But for the work I've taken on Stoking the star maker machinery Behind the popular song From where I am, by virtue of the fact that I am a pop singer yeah. and writer, um, I, I really, I really like, I embrace the idea that there's a new demystification process going on between the artist and the audience. Um, I think when you look back at, say, this last decade, there hasn't really been one single entity, artist or group, 
that have personified or become the brand name for the 90s. It, like it was starting to fade a little in the 80s and the 70s there were still definite artists in the 60s there were the Beatles and the Hendrix and in the 50s there was Presley. Now it's uh, subgroups and genres. It's hip hop, it's girl power. It's a, a it's a communal kind of thing. Yeah. It's about the community. It's becoming more and more about the audience because the point of having somebody who led the forces has disappeared because the vocabulary of rock is too well known. It's a currency that is not, um, it's not devoid of meaning anymore, but it's certainly only a conveyor of information now. It's not a conveyor of rebellion.
there are two different heads like to, to play and perform you need to go southwest which is sensual and emotional you know if it doesn't have that it stiffens up it's intellectual and so on you know but to produce yourself it takes the opposite head it takes intellect and clarity right which is a you know you won't you don't want to be playing from there but you you, you need the clarity for speed and the intellect for knowledge of what could be to adjudicate it and you have to go in I can do it quicker I mean I've you know seen people deliberate oh do we have to debate this like it's three days later but you're still trying to get a drum sound right you've oh. seen that <laughs> you know I mean please you put you put the mic here you put the mic there you know like hit it again Brian you know it, it can be done fairly rapidly so there's too much in that bog down in analysis and lack of clarity you know in producers and they act like God they burst in quite as interrupt us in the middle of a performance and I thought you know and tell you you moved off your mark and there's something technical and you know I thought oh this will make me hate music I mean I already you know lost it one slap on the wrist you know for playing by ear and 10 years it went underground really you know if I'm produced you know I'll be out of here in two years I mean I'll never I'll never make it wow. you know we've got to keep the joy Taking over a radio station? That's not allowed, surely. She pulls a shade, it's just another sunny Sunday. She dodges the light, light blanche to Colors fade away on such a sunny Sunday. She waits for the night to fall. Then she points a pistol through the door. She aims at the street light while the freeway hisses. Dogs bark as the gun falls to the floor. The street light's still burning. She always misses. But the day she hits. That's the day she'll leave That one little victory That's all she needs She pulls the shade It's just another Sunny Monday She waits for the night to fall
Dragons. sedang mendengarkan sebuah tas besar penuh dengan onions yang punya bill
Fancy Bill's Big Bag of Onions. I'm Bill Lawrence. Join me again soon for another Big Bag of Onions.